God our Father, and from our Lord Jesus, dear friends. The part of God's Word that we'll give our attention to this morning comes from the book of 1 Peter, reading verses in chapters 4 and 5. Peter writes, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Admiral James Stockdale was the highest ranking naval officer ever to be held as a prisoner of war in Vietnam. His plane was shot down over enemy territory in 1965 and he was held as a prisoner until 1973. During those almost eight years, he was routinely tortured. He was never given any hint as to when or if he would ever be released. And yet through it all, he continued to be a strong and faithful leader. He worked to create secret codes of communication for the other prisoners. Essentially, he did everything in his power to help people survive that ordeal. When he was finally released, he was asked in an interview, who are the ones that didn't make it out of those camps? He said, that's easy. It was the optimists. They were the ones who would say, we'll be out by Christmas. And then Christmas would come and go. They'd say, we'll be out by Easter, and Easter would come and go, and then Thanksgiving, and then it would be Christmas again, and he said they died of a broken heart. But Stockdale took a different approach. In fact, the principle by which he lived during his time as a POW has come to be known as the Stockdale Paradox, and it goes like this. It says, retain faith that you will prevail in the end. 
regardless of difficulties. And at the same time, confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. I don't know for certain that Jim Stockdale was a Christian, but I suspect that he was, because this principle is so very scriptural. In fact, it almost perfectly summarizes the verses from 1 Peter that we're looking at today. Here, Peter tells us that as God's people, we can confront the most brutal facts of our current reality and at the same time retain faith that in the end we will prevail. Because Jesus lives, the God of all grace will sustain us through our struggles. So what are the brutal facts of our current reality as God's people? Well, one thing Peter says is that we live our lives under God's mighty hand. He's talking about the discipline that God carries out in the lives of his people. And sometimes it can seem pretty brutal. The letter to the Hebrews says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And yet the very fact that God disciplines us is a testament to our relationship with him as children. That same letter to the Hebrews says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. And later on, discipline produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So God is at work, shaping us to be the people that he's called us to be, refining the saving faith that he's planted in our hearts through this discipline. So what evidence of God's discipline have you seen or are you currently seeing in your own lives? Maybe it's an illness that God allows and then uses to bring you closer or to keep you close to Him. Maybe it's the consequences of some sin that God has confronted you with in order to wake you up and to bring you to repentance. Maybe it's some shortcoming or weakness that you have that just reminds you on a daily basis how much you need God. For God's people, these hardships and others like them are not punishments that God sends. Rather, they are loving disciplines from His hand. Part and parcel of living under that mighty hand in our lives. And yet, when that discipline comes, oftentimes our first reaction is to try and free ourselves from it or maybe to complain at the top of our lungs like some spoiled child. But Peter says we are under God's mighty hand. There is no resistance that we can offer to this, nor does God want us to. Instead, he would have us humble ourselves to accept this discipline as part of his gracious plans for our lives and for our future. Peter says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. See, it's not God's intent to keep us under his hand forever. Instead, he already has a plan to turn that hand around to elevate his people to the glory to which he has called us. And in the meantime, God invites us to take 
whatever anxieties his discipline may bring into our life or any other difficulties may bring into our lives, he invites us to take those anxieties and to cast them onto him. You know, the word that Peter uses here is the same word that's used for saddling a horse. It's kind of a neat picture if you think about it. God doesn't want us to saddle ourselves with all these anxieties as if we're the only ones who have to bear them. Nor does he want us to saddle others with them in the form of angry outbursts or constant complaining. Instead, Peter says, saddle God with these things. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The one who in love, determines the discipline that each of his children need, is also the one who promises to carry the weight of it. Even so, life under God's mighty hand is one of the brutal facts of our current reality. Another one is this, that our enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter describes Satan here as the vicious adversary that he is. He's out to destroy us. He'll use lies, he'll use half-truths, whatever it takes to accomplish his goal. He likes to come to us and point out our many sins and say you're such a terrible sinner that God could never forgive you for these things. Rather, you're going to be exposed and finally, you're going to get what's coming to you. Count on it. He wants us to despair of God's grace to us in Jesus. And if that doesn't work, he'll try the other side of things. He'll tell us, well, you're not such a bad person. You don't need somebody telling you that you're some poor, miserable sinner deserving of God's punishment. Others may need that, but not you. He wants us to think that we can get along fine without Jesus. Simply put, he'll do whatever it takes to drive a wedge in between us and our Savior. So Peter says, resist him. Under God's mighty hand, we are to humble ourselves. But against Satan's attacks, now we are to fight. Resist him, Peter says. Be alert and of sober mind. He's telling us here to be spiritually level-headed. To always remember that dual personality that we have as the people of God. That we are both saint and sinner at the same time and not let Satan deceive us on either side of that equation. How do we do this? Peter says, by standing firm in the faith. And understand, he's not just telling us to have a stronger faith. It's not ever the strength of our faith that saves us. Rather, it's the strength of the one in whom our faith rests. So what Peter is telling us here is to stand firm in Christ and in his promises. It's true, of course, that we are sinners who deserve nothing from God but to be exposed for who we are and to be punished because of it. But it's also true that Jesus has taken our place, that he died to make payment for all of our sins, that he has covered us with his own righteousness so that no one may accuse us or condemn us any longer. We are the holy saints of God, washed perfectly clean in the blood of God's Son. Peter also wants us to understand that in the midst of these struggles in this battle against Satan, we're not alone. 
He says, you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Not the same exact sufferings in every case, and not always to the same degree. But the same kinds of things are being suffered to one degree or another by all of God's people in this world. You can imagine how important it must have been for those who were in the prisoner of war camps to maintain their camaraderie and their unity, to see their way through that difficult time. Is it any wonder that God so often tells us as his people to come together, to stay together, to be perfectly united in heart and mind? You know, that's really what we saw in our reading from the book of Acts a little earlier today. Those early Christians were facing the brutal facts of their current reality. Jesus had recently ascended into heaven and maybe it seemed from their perspective that he had kind of deserted them and left them behind. One of their own, Judas, had betrayed Jesus and really betrayed all of them. And now he was gone and there was a hole left. Besides that, Jesus' enemies now had their sights set on Jesus' followers. And yet through all of that, we're told that these early believers were constantly together and constantly joined together in prayer. Together with all of God's people around the world, we live under his mighty hand and stalked by that roaring lion. And so we need the strength and encouragement that comes from being together as God's people. See us through. These are the brutal facts of our current reality. Simply put, we call it life under the cross. It's a different breed of Christianity than you find in so many other places. But it is absolutely biblical. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In another place, Jesus says, the student is not above his teacher. During his days here on earth, Jesus humbled himself under God's mighty hand. He was constantly assaulted by the devil. Should we expect anything less in our lives? Peter says, no. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But remember also, that just as God sustained Jesus during that time and ultimately gave him the victory through his resurrection, so God will sustain us and give us the victory too. Because Jesus lives, we can retain faith that in the end, we will prevail. Now apart from Jesus, without his work, those words would be about as meaningful as some that you might find in a greeting card, you know, hang in there. You'll pull through this. Everything's going to turn all right in the end. But with Jesus in the picture, with him in our hearts and lives, this promise to prevail makes perfect sense. Yes, for a little while, there'll be difficulties, temptations, sufferings of all kinds. But Peter says, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. In other words, God will give you everything that you need to reach the eternal goal that he has planned for you. 
He'll see to it that your faith doesn't fail, but rather, He'll make it firm. He'll keep you planted in His promises to comfort you during those difficult times and to give you clarity to see you through those difficult times. In pure grace, God is the one who first called us from unbelief to faith, from darkness into His wonderful light. And the last thing that God wants to see is for His people to be pulled back into that darkness again. And so He promises to preserve that saving faith that He planted in our hearts. The Apostle Paul tells the Philippians, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so we want to understand that God is at work in our hearts every single day right alongside those brutal facts of our current reality. He's at work carrying us on towards that goal that He has in mind for us. And that goal will be reached. Again, God promises it so we as His people can be confident of it. That same apostle certainly was. As he wrote to the young pastor Timothy, he told him, There is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award on that day. And not only to me, Paul said, but also to all who long for his appearing. It's going to happen. To him be the power forever and ever. Peter concludes this section by reminding us who is ultimately in control of things. Our God has all power for all eternity and so no one can overthrow the plans that he has for us the god of all grace has the power to do for us just exactly what he has promised to do and nowhere is the proof of that seen more clearly than in all of the promises that god made and kept for us through his son jesus when god makes a promise to his people it's as good as gold You know, in the Old Testament, when Joshua was nearing the end of his time as the leader of God's people, he left them with a final word of encouragement that we do well to keep close to our hearts. He told them, Now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Because Jesus lives. God sustains us through our struggles. We can confront the brutal facts of our current reality, whatever they may be for each one of us, and at the same time retain faith that in the end we will prevail, no matter the difficulty. And why? Because our God has promised it. To Him be power forever and ever. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.